noticed that you didn't take... Especially towards the end of the movie, I noticed you didn't take a huge started, amount of notes. Like, that was when I was starting to get sick, and I was just like, I am so bored. Like, this is not maintaining my interest. Yeah. And since it wasn't my week to, like, synopsize, I was like, I can, <laughs> you don't care. I can phone it in a little bit. Yeah. Just, I can be the Andy Richter on this and just sit on the couch and be like, oh, oh, oh yes! <laughs> <laughs> You're funny, all right. <laughs> Welcome to Creature Crunch, the podcast where we take a monster, throw it in the dark, and then overlay just a hundred filters over it. My name is Matt. And I'm Vin Diesel's disgusting hair shave oil goop. <laughs> no, why? <laughs> why are you that, Chris? Because no. it's awful. <laughs> and it made me want to boof. <laughs> it wasn't great. <laughs> we, are, we are back despite all... Yeah, it's going to be weird listening to this because there's an episode where I'm sick, and then I'm fine, and then I'm sick again. <laughs> it's, been I, a, it's been a few weeks. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm definitely doing better than how I was when we recorded uh, The Monster a couple weeks ago. We recorded The Monster. Right. Like six weeks ago. Right, right. Then we recorded Monster like four weeks ago. No, that, three, no, it's weeks been ago. like three weeks ago. Yeah. Then we re-recorded the monster two days ago yeah yeah and now we're recording Bl- pitch black and in between then we recorded little shop of horrors in between we recorded little shop of horrors and now we're recording pitch black a week after we watched the movie which we normally don't do right 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 and in between there i got sick which also threw off our recording schedule and is like making the continuity of when we record this shit very hilarious yes so yeah. um but yeah we're watching pitch black uh, yeah. another request that we had um I like the bad thing about watching movies that we request is when I don't really get into it, and I'm just like, oh, I don't want to. Well, I talked to I talked to the requestee uh-huh. uh, or the requester um, sent after watching this movie, and uh, it, it, okay, so I watched this movie way back when it came first came out. Right, me too. And I remember thinking this is a good movie yeah. back then. The requester also had it had been a while since he watched this movie. And he was telling me, it's a good movie. And I was informing him this now that nostalgia is a big factor in this because this movie does not hold up. No, and like, it's weird how much of a thing, like, the Riddick franchise was for a hot moment. Right. And it wasn't even when this movie came out. Well, no, no. It was when the second one came out. Yeah. And they, they like, rebranded this one as The Chronicles of Riddick, Pitch Black, and... Yeah, Pitch Black. I keep mm-hmm. wanting, I keep confusing it with Pitch Dark and Pitch Black, and like, which <laughs> one's the Mountain Dew fi- flavor? Are they both Mountain Dew flavors? Is... <laughs> now this this one is Mountain Dew flavor, but it tastes like Vin Diesel's sweat and hair grease. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Um, but like, there was the video game for Riddick that came out, uh, Escape from Butcher Bay, and I remember that actually being really highly regarded at the time. And there was like a animated feature there's an animated movie just like a lot of stuff for riddick and then mm-hmm. they did the third movie and it just dropped off the face of the earth like, right well yeah it, i mean and a lot of this is because this movie was meant to be a standalone right, right but then like the crew the cast and crew all really dug the riddick character yeah and they were like 
we want to explore more of this. Yeah, we want yeah. to do more with that. And that's why it became a thing. And in fact, and in fact, changed the ending of this movie to accommodate that. I, okay. Because Riddick was supposed to die at the end of this movie. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. Uh, but they switched out who died towards the end because mm-hmm. they just liked Riddick so much. Interesting. Um, but, uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that a little yeah. bit more in depth here in a second. Um, but so obviously what we think, like I said, this movie just doesn't hold the test it, of time. It doesn't, like, I, and... And, and, and it's really funny, like, Chris and I have this, uh, we have this thing where every time we do or decide to do a Creature Crunch movie, then that movie inevitably comes up in our real day lives just kind randomly. of randomly. Yeah. And I was talking to my dad on his birthday right after recording the, the or not recording, right after uh, watching this movie uh-huh. and he doesn't know much about this he doesn't listen to the podcast it's not his bag it's not his shtick right right um but we were talking about some something unrelated with somebody else and he just happened to mention he's just like you know a movie i really like pitch black that movie had really good special effects and i just kind of balked at him i was like whoa whoa whoa, whoa dad no it's been a while since you've seen this movie trust me <laughs> <laughs> and i remember like yeah this movie was regarded with good special effects uh-huh the special effects of this movie are, in fact, shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Riddick fans. This movie does not have good special effects. It just doesn't. And I, I'll talk about it more in the episode proper, too. But the biggest thing is when you have a monster that is thrives in the dark, that is whole, its whole shtiz uh-huh. is being in the dark, utilize that. This movie does the exact opposite of utilizing it, yeah. and they ruin it because of it. These monsters have no terror, no suspense, no horror element, yeah. Yeah. because you see them through Riddick's, like, stupid vision. It is <laughs> 3D vision. Oh, my God. Like, that's what it is. Like, And see, that's that was the other thing, too, was when we were talking to the, request, or the requester uh-huh. of this movie. He's in the military. He uses a lot of high-tech, like, night vision stuff. And he remembers this movie in a different way. He remembers the Riddick vision being like how it is night vision nowadays, where it's the black and white high contrast. Yeah, yeah. But it's not. It's anaglyphic 3D. Yeah, it's it looks bad. If you put on those those red and blue 3D glasses, it would have that overlay effect. Kind of, yeah. And it's yeah, but it's even worse than that. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. like you see the the Riddick vision in this, and it's just like oh. Dude, you got you got screwed on you your. You got the bad eyeballs. Yeah, like oh man, but um, uh, obviously if uh, if my uh, <laughs> my uh, allusions to Riddick not dying at the end of the movie and another character does, uh, there are going to be spoilers here for uh-huh. this 2003 movie. Uh, so if that's a thing that you're worried about, you know, stop. I guess um, I'm not entirely sure how important the spoilers are to this movie, uh, but like. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I have much to say on that. Just there are going to be spoilers. So yeah. uh, let's just go ahead and dive into this, though. Uh, okay. This is, um, of course, uh, 2003's Pitch Black. Uh, it was directed. 2003 or 2000? Yeah, this is 2000. Excuse me. I I I stand corrected. This is not 2003. I don't know. Uh, yeah, this is a 2000s Pitch Black. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was directed by David Twoey, who's credited for writing Critters 2, okay. co-writing Waterworld. Oh, great. And had an unused early draft for Alien 3. Now, that I knew. Be- well, because that's a big part right. of this movie. Alien Alien 3's, this unused early draft of Alien 3 is what 
they adapted into this. Yeah, yeah. Um, along with, a, like, some of the other co-writers, other stuff, uh, because it was co-written by Ken and Jim Wheat, who uh, worked on A Nightmare on Elm Street 4, okay. The Fly 2, Okay. And Ewoks, the battle for Endor. Hell yeah! So, um, so they had some writing chops, and they had an un- they had an unused script from some ideas that they had, and they kind of smashed them together with the with toys, uh, Alien Three unused script. Uh-huh. Um, but as near as I can tell, the unused script for Alien Three, um, pretty much was just like the prison idea, and yeah. that's kind of what came into this. And like I can see elements. And that's kind of what Alien Three ended up being. It's weird. Uh, it, yeah, it's Alien Three had a troubled production mm-hmm. but um this movie like the the early drafts of this movie were very very different to oh, what yeah. we got um and I'll, I'll get into that in here in a second um but it's actually i i actually really wish that we had gotten the other one because uh-huh. it sounds like it could have been well i don't know if it would have been better uh that's definitely <laughs> a tip for debate but it's just in some interesting choices but um but as i mentioned it was supposed to be a standalone movie and everybody wanted to explore Riddick's story more, so we got the rest of the movies. <laughs> um, starts off uh, there. We we see a ship going through space as you do. Yeah. Uh, everybody's in cryo, but Riddick is not. We get a we get a <laughs> we get a voiceover from from Riddick, uh, who isn't in sleep, asleep in cryo because the primal side of the brain doesn't rest. They say most of your brain shuts down in cryosleep. All but the primitive side. The animal side. No wonder I'm still awake. And therefore he doesn't sleep. I... Right. <laughs> like immediately you get that edgelord as- aspect of it it was like yeah. oh god here we go <laughs> oh man 2000 year 2000 this was supposed to be cool <laughs> <laughs> but uh he he gives us this voiceover where we learn that um he doesn't really think much of the passengers he's with uh but he's blindfolded and gagged so he's describing them based off of their voices and smells and other things and he's drawing some very deep generalizations of these people that yeah. uh <laughs> that are problematic at best yeah um but his uh, the most noteworthy of these is he's kind of mentions uh, this history with, uh, he calls him Mr. Johns, uh, William Johns. He calls him the Blue-Eyed Devil. Mr. Johns, the Blue-Eyed Devil, planning on taking me back to Slam. Doesn't come up again in the movie. No. Um, really weird. Yep, and the Blue-Eyed Devil is taking him back to prison. Uh, Johns is played by Cole Hauser, who is in a TV police drama series called Rogue, from 2014 to 2017. So you would go on to do this. Okay. Yep. Um, and then, uh, so the I mentioned that the movie, this movie had an early draft that uh, had a very different, <laughs> a different approach. Uh-huh. Um, in the original draft, Riddick was a woman named Tara Krieg, who was from an interstellar tribe of barbarians. She had, like, they had a lot of, like, tribal tattoos and a lot of that going on. Okay. Um, and, like... There was the when you look it up, you can find a lot of information on the original draft. Uh-huh. But some of the key points were instead of um, 
alien monsters that hunt in the dark. They were supposed to come across, like, an ancient alien civilization. And the monsters were the ghosts of the civilization. So we would have had alien ghosts against a badass barbarian space chick. That's (laughs) interesting. Right? So, like I said, I don't know if it would have been better, but it would have been... John Carpenter's Ghost of Mars (laughs) shit up in here. So... I sound a little better, John Carpenter. (laughs) So it definitely would have been different. I kind of want to peek at that alternate universe just to see what's going on over there. But um, interestingly enough, though, uh, after they obviously changed it... uh, um, Mr. Riddick, uh, his his name is based off of Riddick syndrome, a condition where people can only see things in motion, uh, which was originally a phenomenon described in a 1917 paper by Dr. George Riddick. Okay, so that's what the T Rex from Riddick. Jurassic Park has, right? Yeah, pretty much. That's okay. what I was thinking. So now you have a name. Uh, T Rex in Jurassic Park has Riddick syndrome. <laughs> okay. Um, but I, I did think that was interesting. That that's kind of where his name came from. Um, yeah, George, Dr. George Riddock, is, it's spelled R-I-D-D-O-C-H. So they obviously changed it, but I mean, there's right. definitely, this is definitely where they got the name from. Okay. But um, there's a whole breach. A bunch of asteroids shoot through the, the, the hull of the ship. Yep. Killing a bunch of people, including the captain. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, like, this crash goes on for a while, and it is astonishing how... Before they became of it, how fast. Yeah. It's not super interesting, I guess. Um, <laughs> I took a note that the computer kept saying that the rate of descent is beyond known limits. Yeah, what does that even mean? <laughs> it's, it's just... It's like this the, computer can only count so high. Rate of descent beyond limits. Rate of descent beyond... And they trained you for this fry, right? This computer needs to hang out with the, like, alert system for a metamorphosis. Like... <laughs> It can learn a few things. Yeah. <laughs> just, just, this 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 computer can only count to like fifteen at best. Well, fifteen <laughs> what? I don't know. Doesn't matter. Like, what's our unit of measurement? <laughs> doesn't matter. This this ship is falling far faster than this computer ever knew possible. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we see uh, Greg Owens, a character named Greg Owens, and Carolyn Fry. Uh, they are trying to save the ship. Um, Carolyn Fry seems to be in control of most of what's going on, like taking over. I don't. She's not really a pilot. I'm not really sure what her role I actually thought is. She was like second in command of the ship, or like. Well, she she definitely assumes command after right. the captain died. Um, but she's like she would have been ranking officer of some kind. But like this isn't a military ship. It's a cargo vessel, right? And and I guess a commercial. Yeah, it's a yeah. commercial and a yeah, it, like they're transporting cargo and a bunch of people. Yeah, the cargo's people. I don't know. There's more. There, I, yeah, cargo is people. Um, but uh, it, I just thought it was funny because Greg o, she like Fry seems to be in control of the situation, and Owens is hoping that she was trained for this, and mm-hmm. then immediately criticizes every action she takes when right. she begins to try to save it, and she's like purging parts of the ship in order to try to reduce the weight so she can get control of it. Carolyn Fry is played by Rada Mitchell who would go on to star in 2006's Silent Hill. Oh. Uh, she also stars in, uh, this is going to be a spoiler for uh, one of our upcoming movies because it's our next request, uh, but 2007's Rogue, which is about a killer crocodile. Not to be confused with the TV series Rogue that Cole Hauser was on. <laughs> oh. So his cop drama wasn't about, like, a crocodile on the edge. <laughs> that would have been 
so much better than anything it probably is. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it it would have been better than both the TV series cro- or, uh, Rogue and the movie Rogue. Probably. As the passengers begin waking up from cryosleep, because apparently they can just do that, yeah. uh, Fry decides that the only way to save the ship is to start jettisoning actual passengers. Mm-hmm. And there's a huge dilemma here. You know, Owens is like, you can't do that. And she's like, we're all going to die if we don't. Uh, and she makes the decision ultimately to go ahead and do it, but Owens jams up the lever so it doesn't work, and she's unable to to do it. And mm-hmm. And we get the first of what this movie's biggest sin is, the shaky cam. Yeah. It's so hard to tell what's going on in yeah. these scenes because it's just the camera cannot hold still. Yeah. Well, they do that because it makes it a lot easier to avoid showing detail if you just jerk your camera all over the place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, they, can, they can get away with a lot more and a lot lazier. Yeah. It's it's a shorthand that is just not... It doesn't uh, I hate it. It's great. It's bad. Um, like, maybe that's why I had such a hard time paying attention to it is because it makes me motion sick. Well, yeah. Like, happens. And like you were saying, it's it's boring because you don't know what the hell is going on half uh-huh. the time. You, it's just look at that. The camera's still shaking. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, but the ship does end up crashing, and the crash rips it to pieces. Um, the the crash itself, like the landing, I didn't mind. Like I thought that was actually entertaining because you could it, see what happens, yeah. and you see chunks of the ship falling off, and it's like okay, sure. Um, after it finally does come to a stop. Uh, we see John's looking through the wreckage and Riddick attacks him because Riddick survived the crash. But John's very quickly overpowers him because Riddick is still blindfolded, gagged, and cuffed. Yeah. And he's just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then Fry also finds Owens impaled uh, and still alive. But they don't have the supplies to help him. And she stays with him until, until he dies. But his last words are, don't touch the lever you know, kind of repeating what she told him or what he told her before the crash. The rest of the survivors get a lay of the land. Uh, they're in the middle of this vast desert. Uh, and they briefly considered uh, sending a scouting party for other survivors, but then noticed that most of the other ship was shredded yeah. because nobody looked behind them. Yeah. When they, they crashed. <laughs> it's like nobody bothered to turn around. It's just like... um, we have some characters thank Fry for the landing of the ship and keeping at least them alive. Right. Uh, we're introduced to a lot of different characters, including Shaza, uh, who's played by Claudia Black. Who's, yep. yep. And if you don't know, uh, Claudia Black is better known as Aaron's son from Farscape, yep. but I'm personally a lot more familiar with her voice acting and uh-huh. she's done a ton of video games. Right. Uh, most notably Dragon Age, Destiny, Mass Effect, Uncharted, Gears 4. Like, yeah, yeah. She's a huge voice actress. She's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's awesome. I love her. But amongst the, the other survivors, we've got uh, Paris P. Augaville. I don't know how to... Paris. we got Paris. Our fop for the evening. Yeah, he was an antiques deal- dealer and was transporting a bunch of ancient relic stuff. Um, <laughs> here we go. Paris is played by Louis Fitzgerald, who was in an episode of a show called Naked Stories of Men, which is an anthology drama series about masculinity and... What it means to be a man in the world today? Oh dear. I don't like the sound of that at all. He plays a character named Stanky. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sure he does. 
Uh, but we also have uh, some other characters. Uh, we have a small group of Muslims led by uh, a man named uh, Imam. I'm not going to try to pronounce the last his, the rest of his name. I will butcher it, and I apologize. Yeah. But uh, led by Imam, who is uh, played by the ever-amazing Keith David. Yeah, Keith David's great. There's some real talent in this movie. And, like, even Vin Diesel would go on to do better, bigger and better things than this. Yep. They're just kind of wasted in this movie. Yep. But, I mean, Keith David does give a lot more dignity to this movie than it deserves. Like, <laughs> he's very good throughout the entire thing. Yeah, he is. He is excellent. And fortunately, spoiler alert, he does not die. Yeah. <laughs> which was really just nice. his entire family does. Well, he, he has some disciples with him, these yeah. three kids. Um, and we've... I'm, I'm wanting to start taking a chalk of, like how many Creature Crunch movies actually have the balls to kill kids? Because the yeah. number is a lot higher than I ever anticipated I already. Know, right? uh, we also have a character named Jack or Jackie, depending on... Uh -huh. uh, Jack is a... <laughs> I... I... Jack is Jack is a rough character to just dissect. Yeah. Um, but Jack, Jack is a... Everybody, everybody uses the he-him pronouns. And I always thought, like, oh, okay. It's just a... Uh -huh. Whatever, you know. But then that becomes the plot point that, no, Gasparuni, Jack is a woman, and that makes a big... Or Jack is a girl, and that makes a big difference. Yeah. And, it's, it's and of bad. course, it, it is bad, because once that reveal happens, Jack's personality sh like the, has a massive shift, and it's yeah. just... It's problematic. But um, according, to the Rickid, according to the Riddick wiki, Jack's listed name is Jack B. Bad. Oh, dear. Um, we also have a character named Zeke, uh, who's played by John Moore, who is also credited as Bad Driver in Dreamcatcher. Okay. Uh, let's see. And then, oh, speaking of Imam's disciples, uh, one of these kids, uh, Ali, is played by Faras Dirani, who would go on to play the Red Ranger in the Power Rangers Mystic Force. Yeah, I read that. I so, read that. So good for him. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Good mm -hmm. for him. Um, that's not a series, uh, Power Rangers series that I'm familiar with. but It's it's after I fell right. out of the Power Rangers craze. But, I mean, that's cool. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm glad. The other two kids don't really go on to do anything else or had anything else interesting with yeah. them. But, um, and any other characters that I'm forgetting I'll touch when we get to. But... Anyway, back to where we were. Um, so after the crash, Johns chains Riddick up and explains to Fry that he's just escaped from a maximum security prison and is extremely dangerous. Um, Riddick has a tear in his blindfold, which allows him to see this break in, like, this beam, this girder thing that he's chained to. And while no one is watching, he dislocates his shoulders to spin his entire goddamned arms around to get free. Yeah, that's wild to watch. And holy shit... Vin Diesel actually did this. Yeah, it's why they put it in there. Is because that was just a thing he could do. Yep. Um, admittedly, he couldn't do it with the cuffs that they had him in because yeah, those were to, just to, ever so slightly too tight. They had to use some CGI to do that. Yeah, but. yeah. But for the most part, like he had a length of chain and he was able to do that. Yeah. Which no. is in fucking sane. And then uh, shortly after, though, Johns does find the little like gag in the abandoned in the desert, and Riddick is nowhere to be seen. Mm -hmm. So. Suddenly, everybody is on their uh, alert game because who who knows what Riddick's going to do? He's going to come out of the woodwork and kill them all. They all decide to go hunt for water before nightfall, but then they discover that this planet has three suns. 
So night ain't coming. Yeah. Um, it like it's so strange that your entire plot of your movie is based around things that hunt in the dark, but you're on a planet with three suns and it's yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of discussion about the idea of a species that is yeah. literally allergic to light, um, violently allergic to light, all like gremlins. Yeah, and yet. Evolved, on, evolved planet. on a planet with three Everything suns. about the, the monster species in this movie makes no sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it suggested they're an invasive species, I guess. Maybe. But, well, okay, so another part of the original draft uh-huh. had uh, both Paris and John's characters living longer than they do in the current movie. Okay. And they eventually make it into underground, and there were a lot of, like, parts where they would be exploring underground and learning more about the ecosystem of the planet and the history of our monsters. Okay. And that would have explained a lot more. I don't know if it would have explained away why these creatures exist on this planet, but whatever. Um, Oh, also, the original, in the original draft... Uh-huh. The planet didn't have this the eclipse MacGuffin that it has. Instead, uh, it had a two-month-long or two- or three-month-long sun, uh, like, daylight, and two- or three-month-long night. Okay. Which would have made a lot more sense. So, like, an Arctic Circle type thing. Exactly. Okay. So. But uh, they all do decide to, to head out. Uh, John seems to only be concerned about Riddick and instructs everybody to basically shoot him on sight because he cautions them that if Riddick finds them first, they won't stand a chance. Mm-hmm. And then I think now's a good time to talk about the uh, the visuals. Ugh, the filters. Well, okay. So I had it in quote. I had it noted that it was a bad filter effect because that's what it looks like. Yeah. Every shot because of the it's supposed to be because there's these three, three, three different, different suns. Suns and they all have like a different light spectrum or something. Right. But it, and it looks like a really bad filter thing, but a, a filter th- effect. But it, it's apparently not a filter that they used. Okay. Instead, from what I can understand, it's a practice that uh, the filmmakers will use bleach on the film negatives, which removes silver nitrate from them. Okay. But apparently, they did not do that step, and that's what achieved this filter effect. Okay. At least that's from what I could the, the research that I did. That is how they did it. It's not actually a bad filter. It just looks like a bad filter. Yeah. It, it just looks like a bad blue filter. And it's, it's awful. It makes it's... watching it... Like, when it's all the same color like that, it makes it very hard to watch. It's unpleasant. Yeah. It's just very unpleasant. You don't like looking at it. Yeah. But to the... And to the... Uh, interestingly enough, the, the desert where filming took place uh-huh. um, was actually only about 50 degrees Fahrenheit, about 10 degrees Celsius. Uh, and they had to keep keep misting the actors to make them look like they were sweating, which I'm sure absolutely helped with how cold it was. Oh yeah, for sure. Wow, that yep. sucks. Yep. Uh, the filming took place in southern Australia in a mining town called Cooper Petty, which is where many other movies featured in the desert are actually filmed, including Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. Oh really? Mm-hmm. Okay, that um, makes sense. Yep. And I guess uh, later in the movie, I think I have it noted here, but. Um, later in the movie when they find the shuttle or skiff that they're going to use, uh-huh. uh, that was a full prop like set that they built. And they, uh, a wealthy businessman in Cooper Petty uh, bought it after filming was done, and it's now a tourist attraction. Huh. So it is still there. Okay. Sure. Um, but uh, so the, the, our, our survivors find some trees, and they beeline to them knowing that that means that there's probably water, but oops, the trees is bones. Trees' bones. Trees' bones. Big bones. Um, apparently it's a communal graveyard of titans. Like these giant monsters. Yeah. 
Um, and Why again, we've seen them. I would all <laughs> see again see in the original draft of the script, we would have seen these creatures alive and being fed upon by the night creatures. Yeah, see, that would have been cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, Riddick is hiding in them in the bones. Yep, sometimes you just find a Riddick in a skull and he's just hanging yep. out. So, that was another thing that really drove me nuts about this movie. Um, at like this build up to Riddick, uh huh, he's in the bones, and then you then he's back at the ship. And then, at like, the wreckage. And then he's back in the bones. And then he's, he's he's everywhere. It's like, this man is not sitting still. I just imagine him between, like, the scenes just sprinting across the yeah, desert to get back. He just back. keeps popping up in places like fucking Slenderman. <laughs> it's really irritating. Is, is, is Riddick the first Slenderman? Maybe. I don't know. Because <laughs> he's just, like, in the background sometimes, just, like, hanging out. And then... Yeah, there's, a, there's that scene where they're, like... You look over their shoulder, like, they're like, they're like, oh, Riddick is here. I thought it was Riddick. And then he, <laughs> Zeke, I think, moves. And then Riddick is just sitting up in a lawn chair on top of the, the, yeah. the wreckage. And it's just like, what the fuck? But while Riddick stalks them, uh, Fry confides in Johns about almost dumping the passengers during mm-hmm. the crash. Because he asks her about the captain, or not the captain, but Owens' last words. Um, and Riddick prepares to knife them. But instead he, like, cuts a lock of Fry's hair and sniffs at it. Yeah. Which is gross. It's gross and it goes nowhere. Yeah. One of the Muslim boys finds a toy robot half buried in the graveyard, um, which the batteries still work, I guess, but it, I guess it turns out later on that it was solar powered, so whatever. Uh, they end up finding an old abandoned settlement and this, like, skiff shuttle thing. Um, yeah, so movie's over at this point. They just take off and leave. <laughs> they, they, they should! Um, we get back to the, uh, the wreckage where... Paris, Jack, and Shaza meet up with another random guy who apparently survived the crash. And uh, Zeke shoots the ever-loving shit out of him, yeah, thinking just, he was a Riddick. Just totally murks that guy. Um, while he goes to head off to dispose of the body, Zeke finds a hole in the ground. And he is attacked by a shaky cam while investigating it. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Later, they find Shasa finds the bloody hole after uh, he had shot a couple times more, so they heard the gunshots. She, she goes and finds this bloody hole, um, and Riddick is there. So, uh, oh, it must have been Riddick who killed him, and he suddenly turns and starts running off, but Johns jumps on him and rips off his goggles, which blinds him. We get some Riddick vision to see that his eyes are unusually sensitive to the light, and this is the first time we get that really bad effect, and we would continue to get this effect. Because yeah. they were so proud of this really bad effect. They keep switching to Teritic Vision and, like, Monster Vision. It's, it's just bad. It doesn't look good. Um, let's see. Yeah, we, we learn later on as Fry is interrogating Riddick about what he possibly did to Zeke. Um, and we, we learn that Riddick apparently bribed a doctor in prison to surgically enhance his eyes to see better in the dark. Uh, so, like I said, like, like we were saying, we Riddick got got uh, screwed. I mean, I guess this was a <laughs> freaking bribery uh, prison surgery. Yeah, like a prison surgery. Prison so, I guess you get what planet. you pay for. But, yeah. um, but Riddick tells her that, you know, he didn't kill Zeke. So, they decide to go and poke around in the hole that they found Zeke's body in. Or the lack thereof, I guess. Uh, and she ends up crawling into this vast network of cases, caves... And discovers that there's creatures in there. Mm-hmm. And and again, it's one of those, like, we don't get any build-up or horror. It's just, just there. They're just there. They're just there. They don't, you know, they start to attack her, I guess, kind of. But yeah. they're, they're able to pull her out um, after she finds Zeke's foot in the cave. Um, 
And meanwhile, Johns decides to let Riddick free because he's, I guess, he says he's tired of chasing him and seems to believe that Riddick survived the crash for, like, a higher purpose or something. Yeah. It's because otherwise they wouldn't have a movie. Yeah. I mean, Johns explains later on to, I think, Fry, like, he basically set him free because he realized that Riddick would probably not make it out anyway. Mm-hmm. And he wanted the hell... I, I don't know. It's weird. You're right. It's just, he sets him free because otherwise we wouldn't have a movie. We wouldn't have another... We wouldn't have Riddick. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm really sorry, but I know they talked about wanting to explore the Riddick character more. He's not a very interesting character. No. Well, really not. Again, I mean, when you put yourself in the mindset of, like, filmmakers in the year 2000, yeah. I could see where they were coming from. Yeah. But knowing what I know now, and I mean, granted, we're, we're you know, mid-late 30s at this point, our, <laughs> our ideas of cool characters have definitely uh, shifted over the years. But I'm with you. It's like, I don't, I don't so, care. He's just generic, like, ooh, he's tough primal man. Dark, dark brooding primal, yeah. yeah just ugh. Doesn't have a soft side to his body because he's all... But he's but he's actually good at heart, and he doesn't kill unnecessary. He's not a he's not a murderer, a bloodthirsty murderer. Except he kind of is. Yeah, like, whatever. He did do a lot of murders. He does. Well, he does. And but like through context of this movie, and from what I understand in the subsequent films, yeah, it's revealed that the people that he killed was like partial misunderstanding and self defense yeah. and. I don't care. I just don't care. I'm sorry. It's really like <laughs> retconning him to make him more sympathetic. Uh-huh. At this point, they like all we know is that he has done a lot of murders in the past. Yeah. And they nowhere did he say like, "Well, I had to do it because they were attacking me, or it was uh-huh. in defense of someone, or something like that." It's just like he's just like, "No, I did a lot of murders." Hoop de doo. And it's also one of those things, though, that like he doesn't do anything against the people in this movie no it's like john's keeps saying how dangerous he is and how threatening it it's one of those where it's they're telling us not showing us yeah because riddick i mean with some exceptions towards the end of the movie riddick doesn't do anything all that impressive no i guess other than the arm the arm thing but and his like amazing teleportation powers his his droopy dog (laughs) his droopy dog abilities yeah Hello, I'm Vin Diesel. <laughs> My name is Riddick. <laughs> I hope you're having a good day. Here on this planet with three sons. <laughs> I want to see this movie. I want Rid- I want <laughs> Droopy Dog Riddick. Right now. Hello, all you stranded. I can rotate my arms 360 degrees. But anyway, they, they make it back to the skiff, and they, they're trying to repair it, and they discover that they just need some power cells to get off the planet, so they're going to want to go back to the wreckage to yeah. get them power cells. Um, we learn that Jackie shaves his head and puts on goggles to emulate Riddick. I'm going to use the he-him pronouns and, because that's it feels more right to me. Like If, but, if they would have just had this character be trans, like, just do it. The, yeah, they should have. And not ever mentioned it. Like, they, I was, like, after a while, they were like, they kept calling him him, he, he him. And I'm yeah. like, okay, sure. Yeah. It's, yeah. I, that's fine. They, yeah. That's all you needed to do. Just move on. But no, it had to be a plot point and it, yeah. uh, whatever. But uh, they're exploring this settlement, um, discover that the 
people here were probably geologists mm -hmm. and Riddick suggests that whatever happened to them is what got Zeke. Uh, and we see uh, one of the Muslim kids, uh, Ali, who is off exploring on his own and he's attacked by a bunch of CG bat monsters. Yeah, and like, this is where Epic Studios got the Krill from Gears of War, right? Yes. Like, it actually, yes, absolutely. Yeah. The Krill from Gears of War are directly inspired by the monsters in this movie. Yeah, I kind of figured so. because they, they, they look exactly the same and act exactly the same, so it's just yep. like... Um, and then we get a gruesome shot of Imam finding Ali half-eaten. Yeah. So, again, not only just, like, kid murder, but, like, graphic kid murder. Mm -hmm. So... They deduce eventually that the geologists had all tried to hide in the coring room and were ambushed from inside an open well. Uh, and they also figure out that the creatures don't like the light. And using an orary, uh, Fry figures out that the planet has a solar eclipse every 22 years. Which is why these things evolved on this planet. I, whatever. Um, and it's never explained how long the solar eclipse lasts. Yeah. It's suggested that it lasts months. But I have no idea. Johns wants to wait to bring these power cells from the wreckage over to the, the skiff until, the, like, the very last minute. Because he's pretty sure that Riddick is going to try to steal the ship and leave them all there. Mm -hmm. Which, I, again, I'm not sure what Johns' plan was in freeing Riddick. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I, I gather that he kind of wants Riddick to defend them from the monsters. But they should have saved, like, the whole he releases Riddick thing until after they find the monsters. <laughs> yeah, and realize that they're going to be a problem, right? Yeah, yeah, until then it's just like, oh no, there's something else out here that's killing us. We need a Riddick. Yep. Um, Riddick is shaving his own head with a goop and a knife. It's, it's so <laughs> it's gross! so gross. <laughs> I don't get it. Um, we also learned that Johns has a morphine addiction. Yeah. Apparently this, not the, the morphine addiction was written to the character, but shooting him up, shooting up through his uh, tear ducts, uh, which he does in the movie, it was so apparently gross. the actor's idea. Great. Way to so, go, dude. <laughs> that's his Thanks contribution. For that. Um, Reminded me of that scene from uh, Dead Space 2 where you have to maneuver the needle and just right yep. to the eye. And it's just like, so I don't need to see you fucking doing this shit. Stop doing <laughs> bad eye things. Yep. We also learn why John seems to have this hard-on for hunting Riddick because apparently Riddick stabbed him once. Yeah. But can't worry about that now. The eclipse is happening. Uh, -huh. uh they they have to race back to the wreck to get their supplies uh but they run out of time as they get there as the eclipse begins and now the krill <laughs> are all coming out of the the ground and they they kill shaza which is really unfortunate mm -hmm. and gruesome mm -hmm. and bad cg mm -hmm. and then the bigger creatures emerge from the other ground as darkness completely falls because apparently the young versions of these creatures are not as allergic to the light as their adult brethren sure um, these things make no sense. Nope. Uh, but the group eventually retreats back inside the wreckage. And these things sound like tiny whales. They have, they make weird noises, yeah. Quiet, please, everyone. Why do they do that? Make that sound. Perhaps it's the way they see yeah, I, I again was looking for any kind of methodology to how uh -huh. they created the, the these creatures' noises, but I could not locate anything. Okay. I couldn't find anything. 
and then Riddick gets to see one of these creatures in the cargo, and we get our first real good look at these monsters, because that's when you want your first real good look at the monsters, right after it's been revealed. Yeah, yeah. Um, in the script, these things were referred to simply as Predators, but they later adopted the name Bioraptors. Yeah, I heard that. Um, near as I can tell, it was a fan name. It's never like been officialized that these things are called the Bioraptors, but um, <laughs> interestingly enough, Bioraptor is also a brand of searcher anchors. Okay. And that like feels like it has to be intentional. Yeah. Because these things have anchor heads. I mean, searcher anchors don't look like anchors, but they're called anchors. Yeah. Like that that seems like a little bit weirder of too weird of a coincidence to me. Yeah. But these creatures were designed by Patrick Totopoulos. But yeah, one of the other boys, Hassan and Riddick encounter this the predator Bioraptor, dark monster, bad Anchor. thing, whatever. Anchorhead. Um, is they... Anchorhead one of the like ports in on Tatooine in Star Wars? I don't know. Sounds familiar. Uh, but they they encounter it in another one, and uh, Hassan loses his nerves and runs, and this creature just slices him right in half with its face. So, um, because these things, like, again, all things yeah, aside, these things have pretty decent creature designs. Uh-huh. And their faces are anchor-shaped and apparently razor-sharp. Yeah. So Anchorhead is a... You it, right? it's, a it's a city on Tatooine. <laughs> Good to know. Yeah. All right. Um, they also learned that light literally burns these creatures. Like, even flashlights yeah. burn these creatures. Yeah, even after they're dead and it's just uh-huh. like their flesh bubbles and it's just weird and gross. Yep. Um, the, the group argues about... Interestingly weird and gross, just kind of there. Yeah, yeah. These things are apparently more allergic to light than gremlins are, too. Because <laughs> gremlins can at least tolerate, like, lights. <laughs> yeah. These things literally fry in the sen- in the presence of any light whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. Um, the group argues about what to do. Uh, Fry wants to use light to ward the creatures off and trek back to the skiff. But Johns just wants to sit and wait out the eclipse. Which, like, again, at this point, we don't know how long the eclipse lasts. And I was sitting there going, like, yeah, just wait it out. Yeah. Like, that's a good idea. If there would have been any kind of indication that the eclipse did last that long, it would have made sense to, like, okay, no, we have to get to the skip because otherwise we're going to be here for months or whatever. Mm-hmm. But there's no indication of that in the movie. And they don't even bring that up here. Yeah. Like, they're they're arguing against Johns, and their only argument is, no, we'll die if we stay here. Yeah. We'll be just like those miners. Yeah. Who died because they had an open well into the these things, pit like, lair. Yeah. What the hell? It's like there, there was definitely some cuts. There are some editing room floor scraps like, that make this a little bit more of a sound argument. Did you watch the director's cut or the theatrical cut? I watched the director's cut. Me too. Because that's what I could get off of Amazon. Yep. And like they were both the same price. So I was like, fuck it, I'll just get the director's cut. Sure. Um, and so, like, where did the, they cut the stuff? Where did it go? It's just like, it was not in the director's cut because the figures... You'd want to have that stuff in there. Like, what changed in between the two cuts? I'd be very interested to find There's out. There's like but... a seven-minute difference, I think, in runtime. I have no idea. I I was given because I didn't watch this on Amazon. I didn't right. actually have to pay for this one because uh, I was fortunate enough that one of my former employees, back when I was working at GameStop, right. uh, when I transitioned stores, he he got me a parting gift and he bought me the collection of the Riddick movies because right. he was a big fan of them. And, it was a really nice gesture. It was awesome. I loved it. So that's where I had access to them, uh-huh. and um, that <laughs> I had the director's cut. That's what's available to me. Okay. So I have no idea 
But I didn't even look into it. I didn't see anything in my in my research. I didn't even think to look into it. But yeah, I, like I said, there's a, like a four or seven minute difference between the two run times, and I don't know what could possibly be different. I mean, they didn't add they didn't add uh, any good points. I would say, <laughs> unless the the original movie made even less sense. I don't know. Yeah, who knows? But yeah, like I said, John's lose ends up losing this argument, and they end up gearing up. Um, they file out of the wreckage and begin. Uh, journeying back with Riddick in the lead because Riddick can see in the dark. Right. And a, a tool ends up falling off of the sled they have and Jack goes to retrieve it. I didn't realize that this tool was super important. I thought it was just the power cells, but whatever. Um, I guess you need a you need some way of the monsters getting to the party. I guess. Uh, because Paris ends up freaking out and crawls away and... He was pulling these tubes that because they have all these like fluorescent tubes they that they're wrapped tight, around yeah. them. Um, and when he starts scrambling away, it ends up breaking the generator that's powering their light, and the monsters converge and kill him. Um, we get a <laughs> we get trailer trailer screen fodder. I I remember this scene from the trailer so much. This was this is their money shot. Yeah. Is is Paris taking a swig of alcohol and then blowing it on into a torch and causing it fire to flare uh -huh. up around, you know, to reveal that they're, he's surrounded by these monsters. Yeah. And then as the light fades, you hear him screaming. That was the, that was the money shot. Yeah. It doesn't hold up very well no. because again, we at this point already know what the monsters look like in pretty good detail. Yeah. If this would have been the reveal for the monsters, that would have been so much better. It would have been insanely better. Like, if you had no idea what these things looked like, and they were just an, always an oppressive yeah. thing in the dark, and then this this was scene would have been way more important. Like, it, it's so strange, because there's so many of these uh, things in this movie where they just describe everything to you without ever showing, except the monsters. They can't keep the monsters off the camera. Uh-huh. And, and it's... And the monsters, they, like, the, the designs are cool, yeah. but the special effects are not. The CG just wasn't there. Yeah, and every time you see them through either the monster vision or Riddick vision, it makes it even worse. Yeah. It's it's not hiding the bad CG, it's enhancing the bad CG. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they end up lighting analog torches and flares mm -hmm. and continue on. That's This is when they discover that Jack is <gasps> a girl. Yeah. And I... Th they, they talk about how these creatures can smell blood, and I think the implication is supposed to be that Jack is on her period. I, or on his period, whatever. Especially with the girl bleeding. What? The fuck you talking about? She's not cut. Not her. Her. You gotta be kidding me. I, I just thought it'd be better if people took me for a guy. I thought they might Jesus, leave me alone. Jack, why did you with me? I, I, I think you're you're right, and that's the implication. But they it's don't just it's oh, but Johns does spill it, the beans about the crash. Yeah, uh, kind of explaining that Fry wanted to kill everybody to save herself. I guess, I don't know, it doesn't seem to really come up that much more after this. Mm -hmm. It felt like a subplot that should have just been dropped. Yeah. Um, or never brought up in the first place. Yep. Johns and Riddick kind of move on ahead and begin having a terse discussion about uh, using one of the survivors as bait or a distraction so that the rest of them can get away. 
and Johns wants to use, and I quote, the girl. Uh-huh. And again, it's one of those where I really wish he was talking about Fry, but he is totally talking about Jack. Uh-huh. And so fuck this guy. And Riddick immediately betrays him, and I like Riddick for this a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Riddick just immediately starts fighting him, just throws down with him. Um, in, in the fight, Johns breaks Riddick's elbow, but Riddick just kind of pops that sucker back into place, continues the fight. Because remember, he could just dislocate his shoulders at will. Yeah, he's got very loose joints, apparently. <laughs> uh, Riddick wins the fight, and uh, the flare dies down, and he leaves Johns in the dark to be killed by the, the monsters. That happens. Uh, Riddick finds some bones and pieces together that these creatures have a blind spot, because that's how sonar works. Yeah. They're, they're supposed to be blind, aren't they? Like, they don't have eyes? I think they do have eyes. Do they have eyes? I think so. I think so. I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't know the biology of these things. That's on the cutting room floor. That was in the original draft. (laughs) It's so weird because they, if they hadn't explained anything, I would have bought it. Like, but they explained just enough to make the rest of the movie not make sense. Uh (laughs) It's very, very frustrating. Yeah. But these things have a, these things have a blind spot. Um, as they begin rushing to get through this canyon that apparently was not there before. I don't know. The geography of this place doesn't make any sense either because part of the plot is that like Riddick is trying to buy time because he realizes there's a canyon in their way and he doesn't know how to get through it without getting murdered. Yeah. But it's like, how did they get, wouldn't it have been there on their first trip back? Are they taking a different trip? Did they just get, whatever. Point is, they need to get through the canyon. And as they're doing so, they witness these creatures begin killing each other. They're they're going cannibalistic on each other. Which is another, these creatures wouldn't have survived to do, to, like, be the only pervasive species on the planet. Right. This wouldn't have happened. This plot need not have happened, Matt. It need not have happened. But Chris, happened, it did. As they're crossing through the canyon, Riddick has the chance to leave everybody behind, but he does go back when he finds out that Jack is being attacked. Yeah. Um, and he fights one of these creatures in hand-to-hand combat and wins. So, good for you, Riddick. Way to go, Ben. Yep. Um, it begins... Saves the day. <laughs> it begins to rain, which threatens to put out the torches. And the third Muslim boy is attacked and killed. Uh, whatever. Um, Riddick ends up finding a small cave that he shoves everybody inside and, like, pushes a big rock in front uh-huh. of to save him. And then he runs off to head to the settlement to try to get to the shuttle. Right. Um, inside the cavern, their lights fade as the torches burn through the rest of their fuel. And then bioluminescent slugs begin glowing and they start filling the empty bottles with them. According to IMDb, Uh which I swear to God, we need to make a Patreon show of called according to IMDb. Yeah. But, uh, according to IMDb, these slugs are the larval form of these creatures. Fucking what? Yeah. Though I found absolutely zero information to back this up, but frankly... I, tr- I believe it as much as anything else. Okay, sure. Well, they're allergic to light, but they produce light when they're babies. Yes, they're allergic to their own babies. <laughs> I mean, I too am allergic to babies. Don't get it mixed, but... <laughs> but you're not a species, as no, far as we were aware. I might... Bitch, I might be. <laughs> no, these... <laughs> so, I have a theory, I have a working theory, that evolution... Like, evolution is an uncaring bitch. It does yeah. not have a design. But I have a theory that in this universe it does. 
and it made these things and it wants them dead. It's like yeah. evolution was like, look at these things grow. I hate them. Let's let's make them allergic to light because they live on a planet with three suns. Oh, they're still thriving? Okay, let's make them kill each other for sustenance. They're still thriving somehow. Fuck. Make their lo- babies produce light. These things need to die. <laughs> God's least favorite mistake. <laughs> Alternate creature name right there. Yeah. This movie is an argument for intelligent design and hating what you've designed. <laughs> Riddick does decide to, like, he starts prepping the ship to leave. Yeah. But Fry ends up leaving the cave with these glowing bottles that she now has. Bottled. Bottled. (laughs) Bottled bioluminescent babies. Oh, my God. She gets to him just in time, and he tries to convince her to abandon Jack and Imam, and... Uh, she has a moral crisis where she actually considers doing so, uh-huh. which I guess is the payoff to the is supposed to be the payoff from her character dilemma through the movie. I'm not I really don't sure. Know. Um, but she ends up fighting him and like physically fighting him, uh-huh. and he ends up agreeing to go ahead and head back to save them all because he his Riddick's like motivations flop on a dime as well. Yeah, he doesn't have any. He's just kind of yeah. I don't know. A force of like I understand like he's supposed to be a force of nature unto himself, and he doesn't subscribe to any society's rules. And it's like okay, I, I get that, but an interesting character that does not make. Yeah, because like a character who has no motivations and no allegiances and anything is just a nothing. He's just nothing. No, he's, he's he is every fifteen year olds yeah, every yeah. fifteen year old boy's like fantasy power high. Right. And that's it. That's where it ends. Yeah. Which, I mean, you know what? For all of you teenage boys out there, whatever. Uh-huh. <laughs> you go, go you. I am beyond that stage in my life by <laughs> quite a bit. <laughs> so, and to me, Riddick is a very boring character. Uh-huh. I don't know if he gets better in the other movies. I haven't seen them. Neither have I. Um, I, prob- I'm, I probably should watch them. Mm. But, whatever. Um, they, they end up going back and getting him mom and Jack, uh... But one of these creatures ends up blocking Riddick's path, and he uses its blind spot to hide from it for for a while. Yeah. In a scene that goes on for far too long. Yeah. Uh, and then another one moves in behind him, so it's moot. It, anyway. It's moot. Um, Fry moves in to to save him, and you we we see him having bested the two monsters hand to hand because yep. Riddick is a badass. Yeah. Remember. Yep. That's we what were, they tell us. <laughs> that's what they say. <laughs> You know that Riddick, yep. he's a badass. But he was wounded in the process. Yep. Uh, and now we get the the, the pivot from the original script. Uh-huh. Not even the original, but like I guess the, all, the, the, the first ending, where one of the creatures gets Fry instead of Riddick. Uh, and yeah, this is where Riddick was supposed to die in the, in the original before mm-hmm. the crew was like, we love Riddick. <laughs> um, and then Riddick waits... Like, they all pile on the ship, and Riddick waits until as many creatures are covering the skiff as possible before firing the thrusters and taking off. And giving it just the worst one-liner, like, imaginable. You can't leave. I gotta say goodnight. And that's it. That's the movie. Yeah. It's it over. ends. It is over. Um... 
So yeah, I'm sorry, Ron. This movie did not hold up. It, it has aged like a fine milk. <laughs> yeah, really has. Um, so if if you are one of those people who watched this movie back when it first came out and loved it, I implore you, do not watch yeah, it again. Watch it it again. will ruin it for yeah. you. If we haven't already done that for you. <laughs> there, there's certain things that that you get when you're younger and you're like, oh, I like this a lot. This is really cool. And they just don't hold up. Like, no. Not even a little bit. You can't revisit that stuff. Like, some things you can still get something out of for nostalgic purposes. Like, I know that some of the stuff I watched as a kid is objectively not good. But I can still watch it and be like, oh, okay, you know, I can still have a fun time watching it. This wasn't one of those things. No. No. Not even a little bit to me. Yeah. I mean, maybe there's something to be said that I, when I was a kid, I did only watch this movie once. Yeah. And and never since. you watched stuff over and over again. I was, I was. That was my like. When, if I watched something that I enjoyed, I watched it right. nonstop yeah. for as long as I could get away with. So I must not have enjoyed this movie at least enough to watch it again. But whatever, there you go. So, um, so we're gonna go ahead and move on to the crunch now. Uh, we will. We'll be right back. Alright, so welcome back. Um, let's do this crunch really quick. Okay. Now, uh, full disclosure, I I statted this guy out, and then I did a little bit more research into this, okay. and found somebody else on Reddit who had done these creatures as a D&D 5th edition stat block as well. Okay. And I did read through theirs, and theirs is perfectly valid. Uh-huh. They had some good stuff in there. I didn't, and, and I did borrow, like, one or two things from it. In fact, I think I just borrowed one thing from it now that I'm looking at it. Okay. But, um, no, two things, two things. Okay, regardless. Uh, I gave him something that we've been neglecting to do and probably should go back and do. Um, their creatures, their version had condition immunities to being blinded. Oh, yeah, that would make sense. Yeah, so we've just never done that, but whatever. Um, of course, those those things were actually called bioraptors in this guy's stat block. Mine are called spearheads. Okay. Okay. I don't know. I mean, it's yeah. what's what they are. Uh, they are small monstrosities, and they are chaotic evil. Okay. Uh, they have an armor class of 14 and a 6d8 hit points. It's an average of 27. They have a walking speed of only 10 feet, but a fly speed of 60 feet. Alrighty. Strength of 12. Not, not great. Um, and a high dexterity of 18. The rest of their stats are 10 or below. They have 120-foot blind sight, applying to be on that radius with a passive perception of 10. Uh-huh. Again, con- condition immunities of blinding, uh, blinded. And they speak whale. And they speak whale. Uh, challenge rating of 2. And then, of course, we get into the fun stuff. Yep. Uh, their traits. Light vulnerability. They have them. Yeah. At the beginning of its turn, the spear- if the spearhead is in bright light, it takes 2d6 radiant damage. Yeah, that makes sense. Yep. So not just sunlight, but just reg- light. bright light. Exactly. It's not a huge amount because, like, in the movie, we see them just kind of blistering and boiling uh, and bubbling in that light. But they don't, like, pop like a gremlin does. <laughs> so, whatever. 
Uh, I also gave them pack tactics. That makes sense. Yep, they have advantage on on attack rolls when one of their allies is within five feet. But I also gave them a cannibalistic impulse. Okay. At the beginning of its turn, if the spearhead is within five feet of one of its allies, it must roll a d6. On a one, the spearhead spends its action attacking a random ally within five feet of it with advantage. Okay. So. Um, and I... I really wanted that to be kind of the linchpin in this stat block because their attacks deal a pretty decent amount of damage mm-hmm. and they can do them pretty with... I'll cover that in a second. Uh, and then they have Deadly Killer ability. Okay. If the spearhead has advantage on its attack roll, it deals an additional 2d8 damage. Machi machi. Their actions are Claw and Tail, both melee weapon attacks. Uh, the Claw has a 5-foot reach. The uh, Tail has a 10-foot reach. Okay. Both plus six to hit. The claw does a little bit more damage, 2d8 plus four, as opposed to the tail's 1d8 plus four, mm-hmm. uh, just because of that reach yeah, to kind of yeah. offset that. And then finally, I gave him a head cleave ability. Uh, the target must make a DC 14 dexterity saving throw, uh, and they take 4d8 plus four slashing damage on a fail. However, on a successful save, they take no damage, and cannot be targeted by this this spearhead until the end of its of the spearhead's next turn. Okay. Um, it's the only, it's the how I decided to incorporate the blind spot. Okay. On these no, creatures. that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, and so that's it. That's those are my spearheads. Um, like I said, I, I especially with that deadly killer ability, I wanted to make these things pretty dangerous. Like mm-hmm. if they get up at you, they're going to and hit you. They're going to do a lot of damage to you. Right. They are relatively squishy with only having 27 hit points. And they have a good potential of attacking each other. Yeah. So. Like, the only problem I would have, have with them is they want to attack in a pack. And running that many of them is going to be kind of a logistics nightmare with their cannibalistic impulse trait. Where they, you'd have to roll that d6 for each one of them and then keep track of what they can and can't target if they've used their head cleave and stuff like that. Shit, man, that's uh, that's not for me. That's for the DMs to worry yeah, about. I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm just saying that. Would <laughs> no, be... you're you are 100 right, but uh, I envision these things being used in smaller groups. Okay. Of maybe three or four. Okay. Um, I mean, if the DM wants to have a huge flock of these things, there are more creative ways of doing that. And, yeah. And honestly, maybe I'll do something like that for kibbles. Okay. Maybe I'll like make a separate swarm stat block okay. of these things. Yes, yeah, that'd work. But uh, but that's what I have here. Um. I I wanted to talk a little bit uh, about the stat block that I looked at on Reddit. Reddit. Um, I do apologize. I didn't notate the creator's name or anything. Um, but if you I mean, just look look up uh, Bioraptor stat block and you'll find it. But uh, I wanted to kind of make mention because, like I said, I statted this one out first and then compared. Uh-huh. And one thing that I noticed was one big difference was how he handled the blind spot versus how I handled the blind spot. Okay. Now, my initial reaction was that his was better. I thought he did a really good job with it. But I changed my mind, and I'll tell you why here in a second. Okay. So his ability is, it's one of its traits, and it's called blind spot. And it says, as an action, a character can make a, uh, a stealth check, I think it is. As long as they are within five feet of these creatures, they can make a stealth check, DC 20. And if they succeed, they are, for all intents and purposes, invisible to these things. They cannot okay. be seen. Um, at least for the rest of the turn, or something like that. Something along those lines. 
which I thought was a really good idea. I was like, I really liked that. Mm-hmm. Until I realized that a stat block is something that the DM sees and not the players. The- so unless you have a very like open DM who is like, by the way, like after you discover this information, uh-huh. you can do this on as an action against these guys. But that doesn't make sense to me for a stat block. Like, yeah, the you might have to put in something like or like at, when you're running this, uh, let your players do like a in perception or investigation check or something to figure out. Like, you see that this thing has a really broad, wide head, and weirdly for a predator, its eyes are on the side and stuff like that. So you think you could hide in its blind spot. Um, if you like, it would be tricky, but you could do it, and then give them the information that way. Right, and I could see that, but I, I honestly think that that would be better handled in the flavor, yeah, of the yeah. stat block, and not the stat block itself. Yeah, not an actual trait of the thing. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a neat, neat idea. Uh-huh. Like I said, I really liked it. It's just the way I perceive these. Yeah, didn't no, really work for that. me, so I decided to stick with what I had. Mm-hmm. And there you go. That is my spearhead. All right, then. Any other notes, Chris? Uh, no, I think we got this one in the can. All right. Awesome. I'm excited. Um, I'm really excited because this is the last week in April, and yep. we have a, uh, a special uh, month coming up. We have a May. We have May. We have May coming up. It's going to be May. So we had a suggestion by a friend of the show uh, to cover nothing but Guillermo del Toro movies uh-huh. in the month of May. So, friends, family, people I don't know and probably won't listen to this, I present to you Mayelmo del Toro. We are going to be doing a, an episode a week through the month of May mm-hmm. um, covering a Guillermo del Toro directed and or written property yep. uh, every week. Um, and uh, Chris, what is our first movie of Mayelmo del Toro? 1993's Kronos. Which is a movie I am not familiar with, so yep, this will be fun. a weird little one. All right. But it's so got a Ron Perlman in it, so that's good. Always like a Ron, Ron Perlman. Yep. And of course, <laughs> of course it's got Ron Perlman in it. It's a, it's a Del Toro movie. Right. Does it have Doug Jones in it? No. <gasps> Blaspheme. <laughs> All right, but that's okay. Um, so yeah, we're going to be jumping into Mayomel Del Toro, starting with Kronos. And uh, we'll catch you on that one. Uh, So thank you all so much for listening. We really do appreciate that a lot. Uh, If you want to reach out to us, give us any suggestions, recommendations, or anything else, uh, you can do so by emailing us at CreatureCrunchPodcast at gmail.com or yelling at us on Twitter at CreatureCrunch. Yep. Uh, You can also subscribe to our Patreon where we have some fun little side things. We have our Critter Kibbles episodes, which are... uh, bonus stat blocks and rules for other things inspired by uh, the movies that we watch. Um, and then more recently, we have another show of Chris's design called Comics Crunch. Yeah, which is basically this, but instead of movies, I do weirdo comic stuff. Pretty much. And uh, honestly, a little bit more informative than I was anticipating. So that, <laughs> that was super fun. Uh, we all, we, we've got some other things in the tube that, uh, that we're wanting to mm-hmm. kind of launch out eventually. Um, so yeah, join us on Patreon. Uh, you can also do it. That, that's the $5 level. Yep. Uh, but if you don't really want to shell out that five bucks, you can, uh, just kind of tip us a dollar a month. It doesn't give you any rewards, but it does, uh, show, shows your support for the show. It helps recoup the cost of renting every fucking movie because nothing is available on 
any of the streaming services we subscribe to, which defeats the purpose of subscribing to the streaming services. It's very unfortunate, but yeah. uh, it would really help out a lot. Um, but like I said, that's patreon.com slash creature crunch. And uh, you can also find our stat blocks for all of the monsters that we've made um, in the description to this episode mm-hmm. or on D&D Beyond under my old... Uh, my old D&D Beyond handle, which is the underscore best underscore disguise. Hey, you remembered it. I got it. <laughs> you giving me that look the yeah, entire I was, time. Yeah, I was like, are you going to fucking do it? I was like, you started giving me that look, I'm like, I'm either going to nail it or buckle under the pressure. Yeah, it just claps like a house of cards. <laughs> um, but yeah, and if you want to hit us up individually, yell at us about our opinions of Pitch Black and the Vin Diesels therein, uh, you can do so. Chris, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at the library C. That's C. Of course, you can find me on Twitter. I am at Danny underscore Hamsteak. And uh, we will see you all next time. What do you believe in monsters?